Yeah, so uh, just prepare to... Uh, it'll be great. It'll be perfect. Y'all motherfuckers don't watch us play throughout the year, to tell you the truth. I'm going to be real with you, and I don't care if I get fired. That train is off the track. I feel like you, you can't just like jump through Neptune and be okay. Just prepare to. What the show needs is more dogs and bears and chickens and stuff. Yeah, so uh, just prepare to uh, be a watch Welcome Pacers fans, you are listening to the Undebeatables, your semi-weekly Pacers podcast. This is episode 436, company from Indianapolis, Indiana. I'm your host, Joey Gafrida, the man behind the dials and season ticket holder. This show, we've got a mailbag for you. We've got a set of the week and an under the Google. Joining me this week are all three of our analysts, coast to coast, like buttered toast. First, from the nation's capital. Washington, D.C. It's the doctor, Jason Triplett. What is up, Pacers fans? What is up, Undebeatables? Shout out to March. We're here. We got there. And a, and a happy uh, leap day. We missed that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leapt right over it, Emmy. We did. We did. Uh, from Indianapolis, Indiana, he's our in-house bartender mixing up the drinks and the crappy jingles, John Colson. What is up, Pacer Nation? It is Thirsty Thursday. Um, also, Super Tuesday has happened. So, mm-hmm. drink up. <laughs> yeah, you're going to need it. <laughs> you're going to need it. <laughs> From Boise, Idaho, out west, it's our enforcer, John Harper. What's going on, fellas? I'm still lobbying that uh, leap year day just be like an extra day. Like, it shouldn't be a Saturday or a Tuesday. It should just be a day. It should be Fleur's Day. Oh, <laughs> no one oh works. I see. Oh, like it's not even on the calendar. Yeah. It's just an extra day that we threw into the calendar. I like that. Fleur's I should have had a three-day weekend. Hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's got to be a way to make this happen. Is that is that a, a platform you could run on? And get elected president potentially, I mean, if you've got a couple billion dollars. Yeah, exactly. I think more than a couple billion, right? Yeah. Let's slide that note card to Bernie. I'll bet he's in on this. <laughs> Make it part of his platform. Uh huh. <laughs> day. If you'd like to help us become billionaires, you can help support <laughs> the show. <laughs> so we can run for office based on Fleur's Day. Yes. Mm-hmm. You can help support us anytime you shop at Amazon. Uh, it doesn't cost anything extra, but if you click the link in the show notes or go to theunbeatables.com slash Amazon, a very small percentage of your sale uh, goes back to us. And it helps support what we do. Gentlemen, I'd like to start this show off with a mailbag. The mailbag. We've got uh, DJ Yakabuchi wrote in. He's uh, written in several times before, um, and I like I like this question he's got for us. Uh, it's uh, there's a couple couple parts to this. Uh, so he had written in earlier in the year, and basically early early this season, and basically asking it. 
if we had to choose, would we pick Sabonis or Miles Turner? And I think we, we went in the Domas direction mostly. Um, but what he's saying now is is uh, Sabonis has had uh, obviously a very fantastic season, but an All Star year, an All Star year. Clear, I mean, he, clearly he's having a great season. His trade value is very high, and what his uh, what his thought here is that the Pacers are going to play best uh, with a, with a shooter maybe in that position, um, and he's. I mean, I guess he's like at least the worst uh, long-range shooter out of the starting five. Um, so, would it be uh, would it be would you guys have any interest in in trading this guy out because he's got a good trade value? You know, he, he as a current all-star um, double-double machine. Um, do you did, do you think he raised his trade value enough to allow us to find players that will fit better into the system and the dynamics uh, of the team? So he's he's a great player, but doesn't quite fit in exactly with uh, with what we're uh, trying to do. And I, I mean, I see I see what he's saying. Like the we got uh, pretty lucky. Like um, you know, we traded one all star for two all stars. Um, normally that's like a, a magic bean situation, but uh, that was real. We got two two actual all stars out of that trade. Um, and do you say, well, we've got great players out of that. We'll just stick with what we got. Um, or do you want to say, let's make a more cohesive starting unit uh, and maybe get in yeah, somebody at that position who is who is a better outside shooter? Well, I'll start, I guess. Uh, no, you don't do that. Uh, but <laughs> but it's an intriguing uh, thanks idea. Thanks for writing in. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, no, seriously, good. It's a good thought experiment, and I think that um, if we were playing, say, NBA Two K before they even had sort of advanced uh, AI that could evaluate team chemistry, uh, then maybe it's an interesting idea. You could, <clears throat> and you subscribe to the philosophy that ending up in the middle, even in the middle of the playoff picture, is. Uh, not ideal. You want to win a championship, so you should either try to be really, really good or try to be really, really bad so that you can get assets and get the next greatest player of all time or something like that, right? So if you were doing that you in NBA 2K, it might be a fun thing to do. But uh, you're dealing with human beings. So trading away a guy who has done nothing but been a model citizen for your franchise and turned himself into an all-star along with your coaching staff's help for assets, uh, I would think would uh, be, uh, what is the, demoralizing (laughs) for the rest of the starting lineup. So that's not going to lead to uh, cohesion. And I think the ripple effects that it might have around the league are potentially disastrous. Who would want to come play for a franchise that just flips their best player for the next best thing down the line? I don't know. That's one way to think about it. Uh, yeah, I, I took this a little bit differently. I, I thought um, <clears throat> what I found interesting about the question was, 
you know, before the trade deadline, all of the chatter among the fan base was, let's move on from Miles Turner, right? I mean, he's the guy that doesn't fit. And this mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. turns this on its head, which is Miles mm-hmm. Turner is a, a great defensive center and he can shoot threes. Um, so let's move Sabonis, who's got a higher trade value. I mean, you know, so Miles Turner would have been at a lower trade value. Um, and see what we can get. And I didn't think of it as as assets, let's tank and get worse, but as can we flip this for another all-star uh, or a piece that works better within our lineup and maybe an asset like a draft pick. But but really, you know, uh, the thing that, that, um, that came to me right away was something that's been rumored a, a year ago was uh, a Jalen Brown, for example, from Boston. Now, uh, he's playing very well. Um, right now, uh, but so is Sabonis. Um, you know, it feels like maybe that could be a trade that might work. They're both moving into um, new contracts this next season, I believe. Um, or maybe Jalen Brown's a year behind. But, you know, if that's something, do you think Jalen Brown works better in our lineup um, than a Sabonis? Um, and so for that, and, you know, and, and again, you could pick a, a, a ton of other guys that are that are young, that are on the verge of being all-stars or, uh, you know, really talented wing defenders, scores, things like that, that might uh, make us more nimble. Um, and, and I thought that was interesting from the sense that maybe this is just DJ, but maybe there is some sense in which people are coming back around on how useful Miles Turner is um, and how he's an asset for this team. Um I agree with you though, Jason. That this is this is ridiculous. I mean, I just I think it is sort of a fantasy thing. I mean, he's he's Victor Oladipo's best friend on the team. Sabonis is. He's also Miles Turner's best friend on the team, um, which arguably are our two most important players. If you lose Sabonis, um, so that would not have ripple effects around the league about how we treat our superstars, but within our team, um, and and I think that that's a dangerous move. Um, also. Who gets rebounds and who plays low post offense if we get rid of this guy? Um, you can say Goga can be that player, but not for another three years, you know? So, um, I don't know. I I thought it was a fun thought experiment, but I agree with you. I think it's a, it's a bad idea. I mean, I actually ultimately feel like the problem with trading Sabonis is the same as the problem with tr- trading Turner. Um, we went all in on these guys, and if you lose one of those guys, then who's your power forward? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You I just mean, have to go we small. Just, we just all in on Doug McBuckets now at four. No, you'd have to get something back in a ball. trade, right? You'd have to you'd have to say uh, T.J. Warren, you're our new four, and we okay. got this three okay, or this shooting so, guard. But, but yeah. we're talking about fit, right? So this yeah. is this is this is all a bunch of stuff that's not making us fit together better or better, right? right. <laughs> I did, from a GM perspective, we're real locked in on this. We don't have a backup plan, so the only thing that you could really conceivably trade either of these guys for is a four. Mm-hmm. And at that mm-hmm. point, what kind of value are you getting back? Like it just, uh, that means we got to talk to the Knicks. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, I mean, I just I, I don't see the value being out there, even if you wanted to entertain something like this, because the way we've constructed the roster, we're we're just locked in. Yeah, I guess. So I guess though, yeah, I, I kind of I, I see what you guys are saying. Like it's maybe on paper, Jason. Like you're saying, like you know, a video game thing. You can you can do this where they're just numbers, but. Um, yeah, I mean the the franchise just signed the, uh, Sabonis to this contract extension, and you know he wanted specific things, and, and the the franchise gave that to him. Um, so I think, yeah, and, and yeah, he and Old Depot have been together for a long time. 
Uh, he, he, Miles Turner, seemed to, to get along really well. Um, you know, we've seen we've seen what happens when um, players who don't have as even a, as big a role in the team get uh, get get uh, dropped or traded. You know, mid season. You know, Danny Granger, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, who was our uh, handshake at Orlando. Uh, yeah, Orlando, the Orlando Johnson. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was like the handshake guy, but then he was gone, and then the wheels fell off. Yeah, nobody was shaking hands anymore. No. Um, <laughs> Very little coronavirus on that team. Ex- exactly. exactly. <laughs> they were way ahead of their time on that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that these this is a pretty tight-knit unit. Uh, and I think it would be it would be on, on paper. I think yeah, you could maybe find somebody that fits better, but uh, that the overall. Well, I, I think that I think the the uh, argument the Harper's making is that it's hard to do right. So if you're you're trading mm-hmm. a big um, for a small, then you fundamentally have a problem with your roster. So you almost sure. need to trade a big for a big, and then are you getting better? Right? Is that is that what you're saying, Harper? Was that a good sum up? <laughs> Summation. Um, and well, I think maybe the the premise also is so the few games that Sabonis has missed this year, we saw Turner slide into that role and be very productive. Very productive right? for sure. Yeah. Like he sort of was able to fill those minutes, and so if you could have him fill those minutes and then surround him with yet another shooter or something right. like that, like if you put Marvin Williams out there or Harrison no, no, Barnes no. or something, you can get like more that, than that for. No, no, no. I'm just saying, but for yeah, example, yeah. that type of player plus whatever, okay, draft picks down the line or something like that, um, would that be the way to go? And Do you I want like I a mean, Gallinari or something, you know, as your four, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't. I always have a difficult time with these things, sort of envisioning how. I would be a horrible GM, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Like, I would, it, it's hard for me to see how these chess pieces move around. In part because this team does work so well together, and they they play for each other, and they um, have such cohesion. The other thing to consider is Sabonis is what 23, 24? 23 years old, and so is yeah. Miles Turner. <laughs> these like, guys are kids, and they're also locked up on extremely reasonable deals. I mean, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you know, you think 18 to 20 million dollars over four years is a lot. But I mean, at this point, all stars are getting paid, you know, upper 20s. You know, like this is these guys are locked in at age 23 uh, to get them to, you know, the middle of their prime um, on on reasonable deals as this, uh, you know, the economics uh, continues to, to go up. So yeah, that's something else to consider, well, you know. Theory. Yeah. yeah. All right. So and actually, the second question, which I've not uh, mentioned yet. Um, I think this is uh, uh, we brought up all these points before um, it's a uh, question is let's say Nate is on his way out the door since offensively his sets are just way too stagnant and predictable is there any coach that the Pacers could find that could make Miles and Domus work together mm. I think uh, yeah we've, we've complained about the offense we've complained about uh, set plays inbounds well, we have, I mean, I guess the question is how do you define success, which we've gotten to uh, previously on this pod, right? I mean, one could argue that this team is finding success, you know? This team is doing better than maybe we thought they would do, 
you know, especially considering Oladipo missed over half the season. Um, so what would be better than, like, a, you know, you're expecting, like, could a coach come in and make us the Milwaukee Bucks, I guess? Um, I don't know. Yeah. I think certainly there are coaches out there that have a better offensive acumen that could make us better uh, on that end of the floor. But defensively, I think we're near the top-ish of the league yeah. or something like that. And we're, we're not getting rid of Nate. Like, Nate is, yeah, in consideration for Coach of the Year, or at least was in those conversations earlier this year. You know, it's not a... It's not a Brett Brown situation yet, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I'd love for Coach K or Pop to just come knock on Larry's door and beg mm. to work here. Um, I just, it's probably not in the offing. And barring that, yeah, Nate's job's pretty safe for better or for worse. Uh, so he, I mean, who, who out there is known for uh, being great with the big guys? Red Auerbach. Okay. <laughs> any uh, any backup ones? Uh, Rudy Tomdanovich. I know I know Pacer fans are going to love to hear this, but uh, the guy the guy who probably deserves a shot in that sort of environment would be Patrick Ewing. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, that's actually not a bad point. <laughs> uh, no, I my argument is that uh, I think ultimately. Um, at least based on what we have so far, is that Nate is the right coach for these two big men. Um, mm. He has asked uh, uh, adjustments uh, from Miles Turner uh, by uh, by basically handing the offense over to Sabonis, and Sabonis has become pivotal for what we're doing. Um, you know, he's a fantastic passing big man, um, and we run a lot of things through him. Um, and he's asked uh, Miles Turner to take a little bit of a step back offensively, um, and um, that seems to be now just starting to see some fruition. Um, it's not clear to me that that he's not the right coach for this. Um, so, getting this question, I I went and did some um, some deep dive on the plus minus um, for this team. We've done this in years past. I think even last year when. Um, we were making an argument that the two of them should be playing on the court together um, when we were afraid Nate wasn't uh, going to do this. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And um, right now, Miles um, Turner are um, plus 3.1 and points on plus minus over uh, the 936 minutes they've played together. Um, they are uh, plus 0. 0.4 on total rebounds, but that's a plus, not a minus. Was that, um, is this per, per game? This is net uh, per 100 possessions. You just count right. the number of possessions that they play. Right. And, and did they score a bucket or did they give up a bucket? Right. And when they're on the floor together. Right. So it's yes. a two, So I have the two-man combinations in front of me. Right. Okay. Um, so in that case, they are plus uh, 3.1 uh, in points. Um, and they are uh, plus 0.3 in total rebounds, which isn't a lot, but it is a plus... Um, they are plus 1.3 in assists, um, plus 0.9 in steals, uh, plus in blocks, uh, and uh, minus one in turnovers. Um, so what that suggests to me is maybe it's not the most dominant um, 
you know, four or five punch in the history of the NBA. Clearly not. Uh, but it's not a, a duo that's failing or making this team fall apart when it's on the floor together. It's a, it's a duo that is doing its job. Um, and I think when you go to the five-man lineups, which I think is much more useful um, when talking about what's working because two guys on the floor don't play by themselves. Um, so um, according to our plus-minus per 100 possessions, um, three of our top five total rebounding uh, – by total rebounding percentage uh, plus-minus um, include Sabonis and Turner. Um, and um, we have multiple lineups um, with Sabonis and Turner as positive in points. Um, you know, th- this is not a two-man unit um, that is totally destroying uh, our team and doesn't need to be together. Like, I-, I think I think that there was this philosophy uh, out there that these two guys couldn't play together. Um, and uh, when they played on the floor together, things were falling apart. Um, and... I just don't think that that's true. It's not been proven out by the numbers this season. No, and I think that they're both getting better at their respective jobs too, right? I mean, we saw great use of Miles Turner this week from deep in clutch situations, right? That's got to make him and uh, feel good, and I'm sure it's going to shut up a few of his doubters, right? I mean, it only takes a, a couple good weeks to, to shut some people up, so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's interesting to me is that if you compare sort of what is our most used lineup, which is our starting lineup with Jeremy Lamb in there instead of Oladipo, uh, obviously that lineup has played a lot more minutes uh, than the current starting lineup, which has Oladipo in that spot. Uh, But the total rebounding percentage per 100 possessions jumps from plus 2.4 with lamb in there to plus 9.2 with oladipo in there Hmm. yeah um that that is a there are lots of lineups in our five-man lineups that are negative in total rebound percentage you'd be surprised by that as a team that gets it rebounded out rebounded all of the time um and um and this isn't a. I don't want to, uh, you know, kick a guy while he's down. Um, Lamb is only involved in two five-man lineups that are positive in total rebounds. Um, it he may have been underperforming from his position um, at the two guard um, for rebounding for us. And I'm not saying that it's better for our team to have him injured. It's just not. Um, but having uh, lineups without a minute is going to make us a better rebounding team. And I think we've started to show that over the last couple. Uh, games. Uh, that might be part of it. You'll be shocked to learn that Miles Turner shows up at eight of the top nine blocks. <laughs> I'm totally what? shocked to Shocking. learn that. Um, My stars. Uh, <laughs> another fun fact I learned is that uh, the Pacers are the best um, turnover to assist uh, ratio team in the entire NBA. Um, and uh, our second unit, um, the one that uh, that we're currently running, which is uh, McConnell, uh, Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, uh, McDermott, and Sabonis, is the number one five-man lineup in assisted turnover ratio in the uh, NBA. So um, these guys are sharing the rock and not turning the ball over at a very high clip, um, and that's you know one of the things that makes this team really enjoyable. Um, is that we take care of basketball, but we also take care of each other on the floor, which is pretty fun. It's, it's like fun. 
2.2 assist to turnover ratio. That's a good. That's a good stat to have. Mm-hmm. So, um, another thing that I uh, discovered as I was looking uh, at this stuff um, is that um, one of my favorite st- uh, stats, the uh, box plus minus, um, which is uh, basically like a plus minus, except that it includes um, every um, major category in the, the box score. Zero would be league average. Um, uh, negative uh, two would be replacement level. Um, kind of the guys at the end of your bench. Um, if you get into like the uh, plus six on a, a box, uh, uh, plus minus, um, you're in an all NBA um, and an MVP type conversation. Um, the the best uh, box plus minus ever was LeBron James with 13 for a season. Um, and um, everybody on the top, 200 list of these of all time are the greatest basketball players of all time. Um, just to give you an example, uh, two years ago when Victor Oladipo, um, you know, came in and saved the team and and uh, was an All NBA player, he had a um, a plus uh, 5.7 on his box uh, plus minus, so that puts him right in range with um, you know All NBA teams, which he achieved. So. Um, I was looking at the blocks plus minus for our team, um, and of all of our players, um, the person who has the worst uh, uh, BPM is Victor Oladipo, um, and it's pretty dramatic. Um, two, three days ago when I did this research, he was at a, a negative 7.7. Uh, he's currently looking at a, a negative 5.6, um, and that's that is really really bad (laughs) that's a really bad number in the sense that um i went ahead and looked at all of the bpms of all of the other eastern uh, conference playoff teams and the people that are below him are guys you've never heard of um you know we're talking about uh the Dwayne hernandez (laughs) and the o'shea brissett's how many D's are in Hernandez? <laughs> More than you'd like to imagine. Okay. Um, Oladipo's not been Oladipo. You think, oh, we just put him back in. He's been far below a replacement level player. But you can tell just from these last two games how well he's played. That 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 uh, number is moving up. Well, he's he's been he's been playing better. No, he's been playing yeah. a lot better. For yeah. sure. Basketball's yeah. super hard. It is really hard, apparently. Yeah, I feel like the uh, he's he's entering the end of the preseason now, and he's yeah exactly starting to hit his stride. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't remember what exactly what Chris Denari said during the Cleveland game, but when he missed that when he missed that little chippy layup, he was like, "That was that thing where his mind was doing one thing, and his body <laughs> just wouldn't do it for him." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, I. The thing that impresses me about Vic is like th- I- I'm sure that this is insanely frustrating for him, right? I mean, he missed preseason because, you know, and most of the season he had to come back and he had to work himself into shape, and um, it's a lot to take on. And like I said, the NBA is really, really hard, and he's used to playing at an exceptionally high level, and it just takes time to get back there. Um, but to be playing not in the place where he wants to be and not let that frustration boil over and hurt his teammates. But to come in every night with a smile and 
you know, be lifting other guys up. That 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 takes a, a lot of mental energy. So good, definitely good on him. That's mm-hmm. he's 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 better than me. I'd be yelling and cussing and throwing tantrums. I just think it speaks a lot to this team. I think uh, I, you know, I think we we've got uh, you know an upward trajectory here, and uh, you know you, you start you start looking into these numbers, and uh, the units on the floor are are uh, positive numbers. We have one of the better um, benches in the league right now, um, and as our starting lineup um, continues to get better, as we've as we've just said that uh, it's a positive rebounding unit on, on a team that that struggles with rebounding. Now our bench is terrible at rebounding, <laughs> but um, you know. Um, when our starting lineup wasn't that good at rebounding, you can see how this all this far. But you don't necessarily need your bench to do all that work if your starting lineup is doing uh, exceptional at it. So you know these are things that as these units get um, you know comfortable with each other and as they get more solid minutes, I think you're going to start to see us win the rebounding battle battle more often um, and and continue to see that bench unit that's been so successful all season um, continue to do damage. Um, I, you know, I think we're um, we're heading in the right direction. I mean, as long as Miles Turner's coffee supply doesn't dwindle, yep, we'll, exactly. we'll be great. <laughs> and as a final answer to DJ, I would be more than willing to trade Sabonis um, for Andy DeCumpo. I think that that is the guy mm. who fits in really well with our team. So. Ooh, he'd be great for us. Yeah, yeah I, I just think mm-hmm. that would fit really well. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, I I feel like an Anthony Davis would pair well against a, with a Miles Turner. You know. We could probably figure out how to make that work. Mm. So, <laughs> poor man's ended a Koopa. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> That's. Is that the title of the show? <laughs> Did you just. Title. Did, well, just, mm-hmm. Anthony yeah, Davis okay. is going to start ending yeah. this. You got trouble Googling spasmodic. I don't know if you're going to be able to spell uh, Antetokounmpo. I can spell Anthony Davis, though. Mm. Congrats. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Is Anthony with a P-H? I think it's uh, time to take a quick break. (laughs) There's got to be an F in there. (laughs) We'll be back in a, a few minutes. Acha. More magic than a warlock, shaman or a magi. Who I, Mr. K.I., over EOM instrumental. It is critical that I display tactics that are supernatural. Let me dig into my little satchel. Produce lines like an artist and sounds like an amplifier. Get you higher than the funk that you're burning. As you let this burn on your audio system, kill them. That's the response that I'm looking for. Whenever I construct rhythmic vocal patterns, you can call it rapping. I call it poetic performance. Awaken from my dormant state, allow me to pontificate. Say what you will about this right here But with EOM and Russ and myself It done got real Let this play on repeat so you can hear The brand new flavor in your ear And it's magic Let this play Uh. on repeat so you can hear The brand new flavor in your ear And it's magic From my chapeau I extract no rabbits Parlor tricks so sad so tragic I'm a maverick no palin no Vitsky, narrow escape in the biz so risky. Flame smoke, mirrors the game so iffy. Poof, everybody in the club get tipsy. Poof, magazines and milk cartons, they disappear just as soon as they start. That ain't magic. I see the sleight of hand dummies, all you did was not say like. Young money. Young minds blown by the obvious honor us. I'm in your body like phosphorus. The game has gotten us. 
Pulling off new tricks till we prosper us now Who see me? Houdini Freaks come out at night, that's when my friends see me Shame, the game resists the change I stare at it real weird like David Blaine I'm walking up to strangers on the street I know your name I'm in my glass coffin dying to close this thing And like magic, I reappear with refrain We are like back magic. from the break Next up, got my stat of the week Joey, stat of the week Gentlemen, I've been excited about this one for a long time. Uh, you, you, what got me here was, uh, uh, of course, like most stats, it was uh, Lance Stevenson. Uh, we had been talking uh, about signing him. Uh, I think that was a discussion that all of us were in favor of, if I remember correctly. Um, Colson, surprisingly, much he was he was all in, all in. You know, I love Very Lance. adamant, adamant, yeah. Uh, but uh, was looking and, and I found the, uh, well, the one of the reasons I found that we, we couldn't uh, that no one can sign him right now is because uh, he cannot get clearance from FIBA uh, because he's still under contract in China but the league has, has been at least suspended for right now uh, because of the coronavirus um, but he's still under contract in China but he can't play so he uh, he's not been released. Nobody's been released from the CBA, the Chinese uh, league, uh, to play anywhere else. Um, and I, I've heard some reports of, of people not getting paid mm. as well, which is mm. uh, that's know. no. So they good. said, "Hey, hey, I'd like to get paid. Uh, let me out of my contract on the NBA. Those guys seem like they're they're good for it." But I was looking up the uh, the leaders from the CBA this season and uh, found two of the top five scorers in the CBA are former Pacers. Oh, fun. Do you guys, uh, I'm going to throw it to the floor. Do you guys think you got, you know who, who it is? Former Pacers. Okay. Yep. In the Chinese Basketball Association. Mm-hmm. Is Lance one of them? He is not. Okay. Hmm. He is uh, he's number seventeen on the list. Wow. Okay. This is he's he's more of a well-rounded player. He's not. Exactly. He loves the pass. He loves the rebound. Uh, oh. What about a uh, Tyler Hansborough? He is number five on the list. Yes. What? No he's number five. His numbers this season, he's 32.3 points per game. Jesus. And 13.4 rebounds per game. Whoa. 32 and 13. Psycho T. Psycho wow. T killing it. He is a. Uh, With Will Chamberlain Sich- numbers, apparently. He's on the Sichuan Blue Whales. Uh, his last professional stint was uh, with the Mad Ants. Uh, I remember a couple years ago. I remember Par- Harper in particular was. Uh, was real worried that the he was going to get called up, um, <laughs> but since still since dealing then, with he, some of that, let's not let's move on. So he uh, he he yeah, that was his last uh, U.S. experience. He's played for three different teams in China. Uh, um, guys, I, I just I just I just love the Szechuan sauce, you know. <laughs> He's had amazing numbers, and uh, so yeah, for the Mad Ants, he 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 uh, he was getting uh, about eighteen points a game, 
and then 21 there's in china it's a 21 20 and 32.3 so he's he's having uh, a fantastic season uh there number there's another one in the top five. Ooh, can we guess you can you can guess yeah do you think you think we're gonna get it uh you, you you've got a chance i mean so he's uh most recently on the team let's see would be uh, the 17 18 season in in a uh, overall was on the team for three years. Uh, CJ Miles. Nope. Mm. Tyreek Evans. Uh, nope. Ooh, good guess. Let's see if he's on that list. Um, <laughs> no, he's, Does Monte uh, Ellis have a job? Ooh, Monte Ellis. He is not there. He have it all. It's probably a tall guy. It's mm. not a. It's actually not a tall. It's a guy. small not a tall guy. It's a Smalley. Mm. Um, he was he was tied uh, to one of our other players, but once he uh, once that player uh, disgraced himself and left the franchise, <laughs> there was no reason to keep his cousin. Oh yeah, what was that guy's name? It was an Oregon Duck. Uh, yep. It's Joseph Young. Joe Young. Thing. Joe Young. Mighty Joe Young. Yeah. Mighty Joe so Mighty Young. Joe Young rocking the second place in points per game. Uh, 35.9 points per game. Oh. Wow. And and seven, uh, seven assists and four rebounds. Man. So with that kind of stat inflation, what kind of numbers would a human have to throw up in the CBA? To be considered for the NBA, do you have to be like fifty and twenty? I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Got, Why do these, these guys, guys not have be, jobs in the NBA? These guys are, are clearly bubble players, you know. Um, so number fourteen, how is thirty, my, whatever, thirty-five and seven, yeah. a bubble number? Thirty-five and thirteen, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I, I mean, you tell me. Like, would you sign Tyler Hansborough right now? No, not no. if he paid I, us. I, I, but I might give Mighty Joe Young a third, fourth string point guard job. I'll keep Sumner. Thanks. <laughs> Quickly, I want to. I do want to uh, grab a couple notable guys off this list. Uh, Ty Lawson is uh, playing basketball. He's fourteenth oh, in the league. Still getting 27, 20, uh, a little over twenty-seven points a game. Lee Stevenson, I said, was seventeenth. Um, Jeremy Lin. Uh, 24 points a game. Shabazz oh. Muhammad's still playing. 23 points. Uh, and Brandon Bass out of the league. Didn't uh, he's he's in the in the Chinese league. Amari Stoudemire also. Hey. Mm. I don't know. Um, but the star power. glad to hear his knees still work. I right? know, I know. But also in the 99th spot, the Indiana Connection. At eleven point two nine points a game is Miles Plumley. Hmm. Well, Plumley's hanging out in China, huh? Yep. It's being reported that uh, Chase on Randall is uh, reached an agreement to leave the CBA and is being courted by the Warriors. Okay. But he apparently is reaching a settlement with. Uh, Tianjin. Yeah, and that's been the issue right now. Like, like this. Yeah, he's he's uh, one of these good players. He's been kind of bouncing around between the NBA and and uh, around the uh, some leagues around the world. Um, 
But, so, uh, so the league itself isn't letting people leave, but maybe individual teams are willing to come to agreements? Is that what it looks like? Well, uh, and I don't know the, the ins and outs of this, but, I mean, yeah, he's, he's under contract. Uh, all these players are under contract. Um, and I think that, yeah, I mean, they can nullify that if, if there's reason. But, uh, you, you know, they, they don't want to let these players go if the, if the season picks back up. So mm-hmm. and I, no, nobody knows what's going to happen. So I mean, I think we all know that uh, the Black Plague is coming and everything's going to be shut down. We just <laughs> start preparing for it now. Well, I'll, you, I'll let these guys work from home or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think we may have just seen the tipping point of when esports becomes the most popular. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the sport. I would watch. Uh, I would watch. You would Colson watch. You would watch Lance Stevenson play some. Oh yeah. NBA two K. Oh for sure. Would you watch a nerd play Lance Stevenson on a video game? Uh, sure. Okay. So. You love esports. Um, uh, some if it's a game that I already like, then yeah. Okay. Sometimes. Like basketball. Uh, like the NBA Two K. I don't, I don't. I don't watch that. Hmm. But I don't. I don't. I play. Uh, I don't have a modern console. You know. Hmm. I'm living in the past. Yeah. But, but, you only watch Mario Kart. <laughs> no, I play uh, play board games and uh, I play some games on my computer. Newest console, like sixteen bit stuff. Uh, no, I mean I play newer games on my computer, but I just Pong. Uh, yes, Pong. <laughs> Pong is where it's at. On my Commodore. <laughs> that was my first computer. <laughs> Are we doing under Googleables? That was the plan. Super excited. Um, you told us we had to. You said we signed up for it. In the end, it's going to be better and more true than Google can give you. All right. We got an under Google for you this week. Uh, all right, Jason, this actually came in from the, my wife. Mm. And. Uh, oh, I mean, I, anybody, of course, is welcome to uh, to, to answer this question. But I thought you you might have a little more experience in this uh, because of your family background. But um, so when you you send uh, mail internationally, mm-hmm. you s- give the post office uh, money. Mm-hmm. And here's the way I see it: you send something wherever it doesn't matter. You send something to to China. Um, you go in, you pay our our post office, the American post office, whatever, those thirty bucks or whatever. You wrap it up. You say that there's no uh, nothing flammable or whatever, uh, uh, perishable, all that stuff. Um, so they do some work. The the USPS does some work with that. They ship it off to China. Those the the Chinese postal service is going to do. Let's say half the work or whatever they got, and that someone's going to deliver it to somebody's house or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're doing, let's say, half the work. I didn't give them any money. How how do they get paid? Like, it's a whole worldwide system of people just doing work. And uh, how does everyone get the right amount of money? Because you wouldn't want to get hosed 
in that process, or is it just a it's just a, a bunch of goodwill amongst the postal the world postal services? I'm gonna say originally it was probably a bunch of goodwill, uh, and that would be for things like letters or postcards or whatever, like things that are of small that do, that are not uh, resource intensive to get to wherever in China and it was just like a a postal service you know gentleman's agreement if just you just throwing just another like, letter in the back like we believe in the philosophy that you should be able to deliver something to wherever it's in the, the world code. right exactly and it'll get there right now as uh, the Postal Service took on more sort of probably package shipping. I imagine that most of that, most of the parcel shipping, I bet, is like private companies, right? Like FedEx just has a China operation or something like that. And so they deliver it to wherever. And I would assume that basically the the receiving country would be a subcontractor of the shipping country's postal Mm. service right so our u.s so if you're going to ship something to france right our usps charges you something that takes into account what they're going to have to pay the french postal service to get it uh, to the right place that would be my guess okay so that way i mean because clearly the the person who's sending it has you don't want to pay two post offices. Uh, it's wholly impractical That's to right. do that. Yes. I don't know. What do you guys think? I think some of it probably depends on the country. Mm. I mean, the USPS is a pretty unique institution on some level, right? Um, in its level of service and reliability. Probably, yeah. yeah you think yeah, it's, yeah. it's more reliable than... Yes, and, and better service than than other. Yeah, I mean, other countries. Services. I think for a long time, like I think a lot of it was private, right? And mm-hmm. so I, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it it probably depends on the country. But I, I mean, I think you're right, Jason. I think that you know we have agreements with these countries. The USPS is super good at what they do, and they know how much it's going to cost once it gets on the ground there, and they just build that into your price structure or hand it off to UPS or FedEx or whoever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The The question is, do they need permission from Congress every time they want to like uh, subcontract a parcel getting shipped to <laughs> Austria or something like that? <laughs> if they want to change the price because Austria raised their prices or something like that. Uh, yeah, I know. No, you're right. Uh, <laughs> I was just, I learned from Jill the other day. She lived in Costa Rica and she didn't have an address. The address was just directions from the post office <laughs> where something would get received. So, like, her parents would send her a piece of mail and it would say, like, second left, uh, down the road, half a mile, hang a left. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Awesome. So, I don't know. Yeah, I guess we got to Google. And also, yeah, yeah uh, shout out to my mom and dad. They can uh, write in with the answer. To say about okay. that, uh, experience. I'm sure my dad uh, hand-delivered some 
packages from overseas at some point. While you're you're checking that out, I, I was reminded, Harper, while you're talking about there, the unprecedented uh, fantastic service that they, they give. And I think that's usually the case. But I was reminded of a story uh, starting last year. Uh, the uh, the uh, uh, investigation started last year. It was about a postal service employee, a carrier uh, uh, from Virginia Beach, Virginia, and he was, uh, quote, too stressed to finish his job, so he rented a uh, storage unit and was just delivering his mail. (laughs) (laughs) He couldn't make time, and he felt pressured to complete his route. That's not worse than... uh the UPS guy who was uh, who got busted in like a ten year FBI sting for uh, sh- shipping drugs. He was like a millionaire. Oh, it was like wow. him and like three drivers. But you can get anywhere apparently with a uniform and a UPS truck. Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm You're also, supposed uh, to be there. Uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot of these uh, uh, online now. You know, there's these like Ring and these other uh, door doorbell cameras are, are becoming much more popular. And you, you see a fair amount of these uh, deliveries of uh, expensive, delicate things just being chucked onto the uh, onto the porch, and you got video of it. Yep. But I'm, so, I'm sure most people don't do that, but but it happens. Okay, so we were kind of right. So, you pay postage to the U.S. Postal Service, but uh, a part of that cost covers uh, postal labor and infrastructure in the United States. Another part takes care of the transportation to the foreign country, um, which the Postal Service regularly contracts uh, private carriers like FedEx or UPS or something like that. And then there's also... uh, uh, fee paid to the receiving country oh. postal service to get it to the final destination. And there is a universal postal union, which is based in Switzerland uh, with 191 member countries that sort of figures out what these fees are supposed to be hmm. typically based on like weight and distance or whatever. Yeah. Slate nailed this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the UPU was founded in 1874. Yeah. Wow. And old uh, postmarks, you could see like the postmark for every trip of the segment, basically. Oh, wow. Oh, they so, stamp it every, every yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Like a passport, um, do, yeah. Do the, um, the U.S. post office then, of course, are charging fees for the international mail coming in right. this direction? Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Is there an imbalance on one side or the other? We probably don't know that. Uh, that I don't know. Yeah, the UPU uh, definitely can penalize members for late delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, like a spanking. <laughs> yeah. Mm. The post is but was you have to be really bad. You you get doctor dues uh, if more than eighty six percent of incoming letters <laughs> arrive late to their destination. More than eighty six percent. I like how it's eighty six. <laughs> yeah, <Right. laughs> Somebody they voted on eighty five and they're like oh I don't know wait wait you said more than eighty six percent are late yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so this is like all right you need a fourteen percent to pass this test 
Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's one hell of a one hell of a bell curve there. The huh? curve, yeah, the curve is dirty on that one. The postage stamp was introduced in Britain in 1840. Mm. Prior to that, it was uh, generally the receiver who paid for shipping. Huh. Hmm. Like a collect phone call? Yeah. yeah. COD. How bad do you want this letter? <clears throat> Cash on delivery. But before the UPU was found in 1874, the international mail system was little more than a complex network of bilateral treaties. Senders had to arrange privately for every leg. So to send a letter to a cousin of Russia, you might first have to find someone you knew in France who could forward it to someone he knew in Germany, and so forth. Hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's rough. Yeah, it seems a lot easier to get mail uh, back and forth now. Yeah, USPS is awesome, man. I'm saying. Yeah. Shout out. Uh, so sub on the Google. So the UPU has 191 member countries. Is yeah, that all of the countries in the world? Say, or I want to know more. I want to know who's holding like out. 218 or so. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Somebody's holding out. <laughs> or they got kicked out because they're. Delivery rate. They, their lateness was over 86%. There's currently 195, and 193 okay. of those are UN members. The Holy See and Palestine are observer states. Okay. By some definitions, there are 197. Hmm. <laughs> God damn it. But <laughs> the United Nations no, recognizes oh, no. 241 countries and territories. Yeah, what? Of course. The United States officially recognizes fewer than 200. So, it can be whatever you want. Yeah, but we also create new territories like Nambia and. (laughs) (laughs) Good old Nambia. Uzbekistan, you know. And the United States. That was a good one, Joey. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Appreciate, appreciate your... Shout your, out to Catherine. Yeah, good work on that. Yeah, you guys pretty much nailed it. And I'm glad we learned about the, the UPU. I did not know about that. Mm-hmm. Nor did I. Do they, uh, do they just, like, if you just pay your dues, can you just join, do you know? Well, as long as you're recognized by the United Nations, I would imagine. Yeah, but apparently, yeah, you, anybody can be recognized by them. They're, they're, they're you better get at least 86% of your letters <laughs> <laughs> time, They're going to start docking your fees. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Who decides what on time is? <laughs> and, like, when's the last time, like, who's keeping Time is just numbers? a construct. Exactly. Well, that's definitely true. But also, like, I, I've had stuff, like, just not. Who do I. I, I never, who do you complain to? The UPU. UP. <laughs> I feel like this is not a good system. Call up the globalists at the What UN. do I know? I ordered something from Amazon. It's supposed to be here February 14th. Latest latest thing they said is April 10th. Mm. I got a shipping notice that it will be here later today. And then the next thing it said, you know what? It'll actually be here in April. <laughs> now, that is slightly off. And now we know why Catherine went to Nepal. 
because that Valentine's Day diff- gift did not arrive on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> it had nothing to do with Valentine's Day, which makes it worse. Uh, Awkward but, couple days in the Gufreda household. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not to... No, baby, I swear, it's coming. It's supposed to come. Just... I ordered it. Let me show you this notice. You, like, oh. <laughs> I love you in April. <laughs> oh. Who's who's uh, who's cutting that part out? Oh no, I'm, that's that's the title of the show, buddy. Oh. <laughs> I love you in April. Oh no! All right, well it's uh, it's time we get out, get going. Here Don't worry, she's get not getting through the first half of this. <laughs> She did start listening to. Uh, she, she says she started listening to the Undergoogables. Nice. Uh, so she'll hear. She'll hear that uh, quote in a two couple years. years. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Mm. All right. Well, I think it's time we get rolling. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, all three of you guys for hanging out. It's always always wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, we will be back with you next Monday to recap the Pacers road trip. Um, and dig deep into the week of basketball. But until then, you can hit us up on social media. We're on Twitter at Undebeatables. We're on Facebook.com slash The Undebeatables. Our website is TheUndebeatables.com. There's a uh, contact page where you can send us a message. Thanks to everyone who's done that. Uh, send us an email. Shout out at TheUndebeatables.com. And however you're listening, if you can like or share the show, that helps new listeners find us and we've got t-shirts on the website slash store for our once and always coach Bobby Sick Leonard now in the Hall of Fame it's the party's over uh, do you got any predictions guys on, on this week I don't know if we predicted we got um uh, Three games of basketball for next recording. Three and three and one will go in the week. Yeah, so we so you four games right? Two, at, so two and one, I guess. Yeah. Two and one. So at Spurs, at Bucks, at Bulls. You think we can yeah. go two and one? Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to predict a losing week. The the Bucks are going to be angry. I don't know how we win that game. I fear the deer. They've lost eight <laughs> games this year. Yeah, no, they're real good. Yeah. And I don't think they lose at home, really. Yeah, they lost that lost game to one. us, but Giannis was hanging out with his family. Sure, maybe we could uh, convince him to miss that game, too. Oh, man, they've lost three at home now. Oh, oh yeah, they're totally beatable. We got this. We got this. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> we got this. All right, I think right, I, I think boys. we could go two and one. I think we could do it. Let's do it. I like it. Totally. Grover's in. <clears throat> Grover is in. <laughs>